Well, how was your week this week? This past week, this, this, since last Thursday, have you been talking to the Holy Spirit? Have you been fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and engaging with Him? How's that been? Throw out some words to me. How's that been as you fellowshiped with Him? Empowering. Empowering. You've sensed it. What else? Joyful. Joyful. Challenging. Challenging. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, sister. Uh, what else? Freeing. Yeah, pardon? Revealing. Oh, I love that word. That's awesome. Great. Good. Um, healing. Did somebody say healing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to dive a little bit more into uh, who he is today. In fact, we're going to focus today on names and symbols of the Holy Spirit. Um, how many of you... Um, when I say, okay, let me say a few names and then, um, you can say at your table what you think of when I say these names, uh, Warren Buffett, that didn't take long, did it? (laughs) Um, Priscilla Shire, huh? Woman of God. What else? Spiritual. Powerful teacher. Yeah. Um, Bernie Madoff. Greedy. In need of God. Yeah. Um, what about um, Martin Luther King Jr.? Pardon? Courage, courageous, inspiring. So when we hear, a, when we, the point I'm trying to make is that names have significance to them. There are reasons why you did not name your children after a relative that you didn't like very much. Because you didn't want to be reminded, right? Because when you said that name, you were going to be reminded of them on a regular basis. So you avoided that name. So names, names are very important. In the, in the uh, Jewish culture, they believe that names are whispered by angels, that, that a name is given to the parent. Um, and we know that names are important to God because God changed some people's names, right? So what are some examples of names getting changed? Right. Paul, Paul Saul, Saul got changed to Paul. Abraham got changed to Abram. Yeah, so I, I'm hearing all kinds of answers, but you've got, so all kinds of people, even uh, to Elizabeth, when Elizabeth was uh, pregnant, the um, Spirit of God spoke and said, you shall call him John. I mean, it was a very specific name, and Jesus, obviously, um, and names represented things. So like we know, Isaac means laughter. There was a specific reason why he was named um, Isaac. So the, the names of the Holy Spirit are not just there to add variety um, in the Bible, variety in your reading. They are communicating to us things about the characteristics and the attributes of the Holy Spirit. So on your notes there, there are several at the the very top. Those are just some of the names of the Holy Spirit. You can, 
as part of your study this week, um, you could go through your Bible and highlight. How many of you started highlighting your Bible in relation to the scriptures we did last week? We kind of suggested that, that in your Bible you would highlight it so you could see the Holy Spirit quickly. So what I want you to do is at your tables this morning, I want you to read all those names. You can maybe go around in a circle or divide them up between yourself. Maybe three people volunteer, read four or five apiece. But um, let's read these out loud um, and... um, Let's magnify him as we say his name, state his name at the table, okay? And if you get finished before I start, talk about which name meant the most to you after you read them. So, got it ready? Okay. Is every, is, raise your hand if there's a table not finished reading. Everybody's done? Okay. Okay, so um, we don't have time to study each one of these names and what they represent to our life, but I do want to focus on four of them um, today. So the first one we're going to look at is, um, in fact, I'm going to read the scriptures before I probably do the... Um, name, Lori. I'm probably going to do the scripture before I do the name. Okay. All right. So Acts 1.8. Let's read Acts 1.8 together. Ready? 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And an Amplified Bible says it this way. You will receive ability, efficiency, and might. So um, one, of the, one of the names of the Holy Spirit, it's not the name written in Scripture, but he's referred to as the spirit of empowerment or the spirit of enablement, you will hear many people say. Because um, he enables us, that Acts 1.8, he empowers us or enables us, he's referred to a lot of times as the spirit of empowerment. And how does he empower us? Well, he empowers us with authority. He empowers us to witness Um, He empowers us to discern, to know how to pray. He empowers us when we need to stand. He empowers us to be the person that we need to be to advance the kingdom of God. Um, He empowers us to be light in the darkness. It's interesting to me that Peter, as a follower of Jesus, as he was just a disciple and learning from Jesus, he was very self-preserving. In fact, he even denied Christ. But after the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him, he was empowered, he was enabled to withstand great persecution. He was not the same person once he was empowered by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, Peter was enabled by the Holy Spirit to be who God created him to be and who God called him to be. So um, Pentecost was perpetuated in Peter's life, and so it can be in ours as well. God knew that we would not have the ability to witness for him just in and of our own strength. Like, okay, I got saved, I met Jesus, I accepted Jesus, now I'm going to go out and be a witness. We can't do it in the natural. We need that empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be able to boldly stand for Christ. Um, Have you ever wondered to yourself, you've done something to advance the kingdom, you've said something to somebody, you've um, maybe taken a stand in public, and then you wonder to yourself, how on earth did I do that? Like, who was that person? You know, who did that? That that's when that empowerment, that, that power of the Holy Spirit, that enablement of the Holy Spirit rises up within you, and you are more than you would be in the natural. I have a saying, I like to say, he adds his super to our natural. And we are more, because we are more than we can be in the natural when we are empowered by him. Anybody want that? Yeah, me too. Um, So another one of his names comes from Ephesians 1.17. Let's read this. I keep asking that the, fa- that the God of your Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So what is he there? What's his name? The spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation. So he gives us the mind of Christ. He births that within us. So um, we need revelation when we read the word. Have you ever read a scripture or somebody has spoken a scripture and all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, I get it. Like you didn't get it the four other times, but then there's this moment and you're just like, 
Should have had a V8, you know? I mean, but, you know, I got it. I get it. You know, like a teaching just comes alive to you and you're just like, oh my gosh. Like I have a couple of teachings in my life that I heard years and years and years ago, but I could still tell you what that person said because it came so alive to me. That's the spirit of revelation working within you to reveal, to peel back and to reveal the word of God to you. Um, He's also that spirit of wisdom, wisdom. Have you ever been in a conversation and you've said something to someone and it just like you didn't give it a lot of thought, you just spoke it out and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so good. I've got to write that down. And you're a little amazed at yourself, you know? Well, that's not you. That's wisdom pouring out of you. And you need to stop and thank the Holy Spirit and say, thank you, Spirit of Wisdom, for for speaking wisdom in this situation. Or sometimes you just need what I call the heaven's perspective. You need to get heaven's perspective on something, to, to know, to understand, the, to have wisdom about a certain situation. Um, you need to be able to walk wisely, not unwisely. That's the Holy, we can go to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit of wisdom, would you show me what to do? Would you prompt me how to walk wisely and not unwisely in this situation? I, I, I call upon the Holy Spirit by his names a lot. So I don't just say, Holy Spirit, would, you know, would you blah, blah, blah. No, I think about a name for the situation. So spirit of wisdom, I'm confused about something to do. Spirit of wisdom, would you come and reveal wisdom to me? Because I want to acknowledge him for who he is. I want to employ him for who he is. We talked some about that last week. So as the spirit of wisdom, we can think of the Holy Spirit as kind of like our internal GPS system. He doesn't speak in an Australian accent like mine does, but um, he is an internal GPS system. I love it that you can get that GPS on all the different voices, you know, the different accents. I have this beautiful man that talks to me in an Australian (laughs) accent. I just, I love it. My husband actually turned me on to it, so it's okay that I have it. Okay, next name. Let's look at John 14, 26. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So what is a name right there in that scripture? Comforter. He is the Comforter. Probably, I guess... That's probably the best known name for the Holy Spirit that there is um, because the church talks a lot about, particularly um, when uh, people are experiencing a funeral or something like that, you know, may the comfort of the Holy Spirit be upon you. So we hear about the comforter a lot. Um, I'm reminded with this name that this is something that Jesus spoke to the disciples before um, he was to exit, make his exit. In fact, a few verses earlier in 16, he says to his disciples, and I will pray that the Father, um, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever and ever. So um, the Jesus knew the importance of us receiving the Holy Spirit as our comforter, that there was going to be... Um, 
situations in our life where man just wasn't going to be able to do that. Nothing that another human being could say would be enough, but that the comforter would be able to come to our hearts and comfort us well beyond any human ability. Now, in other translations, that that scripture, John 14, 20, uh, 26 says, but the, but the counselor, the counselor will come. So he's also, he's the comforter and the counselor, and he delights to counsel us, and he doesn't cost any money for counseling appointments. So when we're in a troubling situation, um, he, as the counselor, he will guide our paths. He will, as the comforter, he will give us strength um, to carry out our purpose. So comforter and counselor, and we're going to talk a little bit more about counselor in this next section. John 16, 13. Let's read that. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So what's his name there? He's the spirit of truth. So God knew that deception, this world was going to be saturated with deception. We live in a sin-soaked world. It's just, it's just what it is. And we're walking through that as believers, as followers. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be the spirit of truth who will operate in our lives, um, drawing us to walk in the light and in the freedom that truth brings. Truth unleashes freedom. Deception unleashes unleashes captivity and darkness. And Paul, so Paul warned his young disciple Timothy of a very startling fact about living in the last days. And the last days or the end of time is that latter time after Pentecost. And we are in that latter time after Pentecost. Um, Can't go down that road, Michelle. Stop right there. Okay, so we are. But he said that Paul said that there were going to be lots of deceptions in the last days and that false prophets, there would be more false prophets than true ones and that the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit would help us, would guide us and would draw us to the truth so that we would not be warped by false teachings. Um, and I, I just, I, I really feel very impressed this morning to talk to you a little bit about this. So, you know, we think that deception comes from all the people who are not followers of Christ and that it will be very obvious to them. Well, they don't claim Jesus Christ as their savior. So therefore what they're saying is not going to be maturated in the truth. But the Bible doesn't warn non-believers about falseness. The Bible doesn't warn people outside of God's family about deception. The Bible is warning the people of God about deception. And we have to, li- we have to ask the spirit of truth to magnetize us to the truth, to unveil the truth to us and not buy every hook, line, and, you know, not grab onto every hook that comes our way within the realm of, of Christendom. Does that make sense? There are people that are out there casting their line 
casting their line into the body of Christ to sell books, to sell DVDs, um, to create games and all kinds of stuff, you know, to get you to listen to their podcast so they can get advertisers. It's about, it's about money. It's about creating a population that will follow them and purchase their stuff. And we have to live in proximity to the Holy Spirit so closely that we will not be lured by what's dangling on that hook. We have... Ladies, we have to become more cautious because the day we are in the days when the enemy is trying to lure people out of the kingdom of God. He doesn't want you walking in the purity. He lost round one when you came to the Lord. That was round one. You accepted Christ, you moved into the, you moved into the kingdom life. So he lost that round, but he's not given up. He wants to get you in round two, which is to um, lure you with deceptive and false teachings so that you will become an ineffective follower of Christ. And you will propagate, you will communicate false teachings to others. So I'm not going to give you a list of false teachings, but I am going to give you an example. And if I... Um, if I offend anyone, I apologize, but I really do believe this is truth. So um, go to the Lord and get rid of your offense. Um, <laughs> so there's this, there's this thing brewing called grave soaking. And um, I saw even a photo the other day of a very prominent wife of a very prominent pastor who was laying on the grave of a powerful minister um, in the earlier 1900s laying on that grave using, using the scripture from, um, is it 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel, where Elijah lays upon the dead boy's body and breathes life into him and he rises. Um, so using that scripture to explain why this was biblical um, and she said that as she was lying on that ground, uh, on that grave, asking for the anointing of that dead person um, to fall upon her, and she said she felt the spirit of that person enter in her, and that her ministry has never been the same. Guess not. So, so you know what? But you know what? That's just one thing that's going on. There's all kinds of stuff like that going on in the name of Scripture. So here's the deal. The spirit of truth will not lead you to do something that is contrary to the Scripture. That Scripture about Elijah laying on that little boy, it wasn't, Elijah didn't lay on top of that little boy to receive false power from that boy. That Elijah laid upon that little boy to breathe the Spirit of God into that little boy so he'd rise up and be a testimony to the power of God within his surrounding area. But so we have to, we have to go to the spirit of truth when we hear things that are unusual. Remember in Pharaoh's time, in Pharaoh's time, the priests came 
And Moses, Moses and the priests had a confrontation between them. And the kingdom of darkness produced miracles. The kingdom of darkness produced miracles. But Moses' miracles were bigger than theirs. Right? Remember, Moses, Moses' staff turned into a snake and ate the other snakes. Fact of the matter is, those priests did come up with some other snakes. Right? So we have to be aware. We have to walk in the reality that we, we as followers of God, we are human. And we can be lured by the sensational. We can be lured by the sensational. Because in our culture, celebrities are a big deal. Celebrities are a big deal. And so if somebody's got a big following... We tend to go, oh, what's going on over there? What's happening over there? And we can get lured into some stuff that, we're, that we shouldn't be getting into. But the way, that, the way that we can keep our spirit pure in that is to engage in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth. And we can stop and pause, hit the pause button. We can stop and pause and go, Lord, is this you? Is this of you? Should I, Holy Spirit, is this truth? Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom to know whether I should walk into this or is there a yellow light or is there a red light? Show me what it is. And until you, till you dig in scripturally and go past just one scripture that that person is using, you got a yellow light. Pause, consider, don't go any further, slow down. That's what yellow light means. And I just really felt like this morning I was to highlight that because there's just a lot of junk out there right now that's taking us, they're sweet, tasty little things, they're beautiful little pedophores, but it's keeping us away from the meat of God's word. And I want to eat at his table. I don't want to eat at the delicious buffet. Sometimes spinach is good for me right? You know, it's like kale is good for me. I'm going to eat kale, you know? So sometimes just being in the word and in fellowship with the spirit of truth, it's not sensational. It's not sexy. It's not all, you know, like, woo. it's, it's just meat and potatoes, but that's okay. If meat and potatoes keeps me out of deception, I'm all for meat and potatoes, right? I got agreement on that. Okay. So this, we can trust the spirit of truth because it's impossible for the Holy Spirit to lie to us or ever to be an heir. His ministry at its foundation is squarely rooted in the word of God because who inspired the word of God? The Holy Spirit. So he's never going to speak beyond that. And he will confirm his word in multiple ways. Um, in Ephesians 6.17, the Bible um, the Bible is called the sword of the spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit crafted a sword when he inspired the Bible. And a sword does two things. It divides, it, it divides and cuts away the deceit and, unly, and ungodly thinking. So we need to be led by the spirit of truth into the book of truth to understand what the truth is. And that, um, that is another reason why he is called the counselor, because he counsels us, he advises us as to the truth. Now, in a practical day-to-day -day thing, 
um, event. Have you ever been in a conversation with, with a couple of people? Like, let's take two teenagers, and one saying one thing, and one saying the other thing, and the other saying another thing, and the other, and you're just like, these two things do not match. <laughs> they are so far apart. You can engage. You know what I'd say? Stop right there with your kids and say, you know what? Hold on just a second. We're just going to say a little prayer right here. Spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, we come to you today because you are the spirit of truth. And the full truth is not being spoken in this conversation. And I ask you to come right now and convict the hearts of everyone standing in this kitchen. And would you bring forth what the truth is? Would you bring forth what the truth is? And then repose the question to your kids. Okay, now let's start over again. What's going on? And see if See if the conversation doesn't shift a little bit. Because um, now you've employed a higher power to be part of that conversation. Um, okay, so let me just share with you this scripture, 1 John 4, 6. Um, do you happen to have that one, Lori? There you go. She's so good. Okay, let's read this one together. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This scripture basically tells me that I need to go to godly people, people who are steeped in the word for counsel and advice. I do not need to be going to people who do not know the word of God for advice and counsel because they are not steeped in the truth and they are easily led into falsehood. If you're struggling in your marriage, you don't go to a non-believer about whether you should separate or not because they're not steeped in the truth. They're not going to be led by the spirit of truth as to what kind of counsel to give you. You want to go to someone who is listening on a daily basis to the spirit of truth and wisdom, one who has a relationship with the counselor so that your conversation is, in, is wrapped in um, the knowledge and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. All right, so those are just, those are just, I wanted to break down a couple of his names. Let's look at some of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And this symbol conversation is important because it sets us up for the teaching next week. We're going to see how these symbols relate to what I'm going to talk about next week. Matthew 3.16. Again, Lori, I'm going to do the scriptures first. All right, let's read this one. Go ahead. So the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus as a dove, a dove. That's his first symbol. What do you think of when you think of a dove? What, what characteristics do you think of? Peace. What else? Gentleness. A, a, a gentleness, a peace. And that is what the Holy Spirit brings to us. The dove came and set upon Jesus and the Holy Spirit wants to come and set upon all of our lives as well um, and rest upon us. 
So when you're engaging in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, because he is symbolically represented as a dove, you don't have to be concerned that he is going to push you, that he's going to conjole you, that he's going to be unkind to you in any way. He is gentle. He is a, and because he's a person, right? We talked about that last week. He's a he, not an it. Because he's a gentle, because a dove is gentle, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is, he's, he's gentle in what he beckons us to do. He'll never coerce you to do anything. And that's really important for the last week, what we're going to talk about, the gifts of the Spirit. He'll never make you, force you to move in any particular gifting. Um, he's a gentleman. He offers things to us, and then we have free will whether to choose to operate in that or not. Okay, the next one, Acts 2.17. I'm not going to do Joel. So Acts 2.17, that one. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. So um, Peter is repeating at Pentecost, what Joel said in Joel chapter 2, verses 23 to 29. You can do that comparison on your own later. Um, This pouring out, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? Does it say just men? No. Does it say just people during uh, Israel's biblical time? first century? No. It says, on all, I will pour out my spirit on all people in the last days. Pouring out, that phrase, pour out, has to do with the rain that brought about the harvest and the crops, the fruitfulness of the crops. When you read that in Joel chapter 2, and it says that there's going to be an outpouring of his spirit that is, the, that is the kind of rain, it represents the kind of rain, the spring rains that come that bring the nourishment that yields the harvest, the crops that come. So Joel, Joel and um, uh, Peter are saying that the Holy Spirit, that God will send the Holy Spirit as rain upon the fields, which is the people, Upon the fields, when they are dry and barren in hopelessness and lacking promise, that he's going to pour out his rain upon us. So the Holy Spirit comes to us as rain, as the spring rains, to bring refreshing, but to also bring restoration and to bring fruitfulness in our lives. God does not measure our life with the same metrics that we measure each other. We measure each other on uh, productivity, on looks, on, you know, uh, where you, by address, um, by, you know, economic means, by education, all the letters after your name. We have those kind of measurements. God measures us on fruitfulness. He calls us to be fruitful and multiply. And that's not just about babies. 
That's, that's, we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply the story of God in our culture, to multiply the kingdom of God in our lifetime. So he's looking for your life to be fruitful. Um, you can be fruitful and be in a horrific situation. I was told a, a story the other day about a gentleman who uh, was a pastor, early pastor in Nepal. And he was arrested by the government. This was some time ago, uh, probably back in the 80s, 70s or 80s. He was arrested by the government for proselytizing, and he was put in a cage, a cage, not a cell, a cage. And he was put in a cage on the public street in the middle of the city by the government. Well, this pastor had been tutored when he was younger. He had been tutored along with another little boy, and that little boy had grown up to become who was the current king of Nepal. They had the same tutor. And when the king heard about what the city officials did, the king summoned the pastor, had him summoned and brought to the palace. And basically, they had this negotiation. He said, I will, I will let you um, out of the cage. This is not how I in- see you being treated, you know, we together, yada, yada. And um, the pastor said, I will only come out of this cage if you change the law of Nepal that people cannot be arrested for sharing the gospel. Um, otherwise, put me in a cage and put me out in front of the palace. Now, that is not something I would willingly offer. (laughs) But this pastor, he knew that fruitfulness is what mattered most. Not his life, but fruitfulness. And so the king relented, and he said, "I I will change the law, but you have to be exiled out of Nepal. You're out of here. I don't want your influence here anymore. So he was exiled to Great Britain or someplace. Well, years later, years go by. Obviously, people are sharing the gospel within Nepal. People are coming to the Lord. Churches are being established. And the king dies. Well, guess who got to come back to Nepal? And now this man has a very flourishing ministry. He's planted, I think I heard, over 300 churches in Nepal because he took a stand. What happened there? He was empowered. He was empowered by the spirit of empowerment. He was empowered to stand and to be bold. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of truth spoke through him to that king because he understood that his life was meant to be fruitful, not just look good. And that's what God has for us. God has for us. He will pour out the Holy Spirit upon us as I believe he did on that pastor as he stood or kneeled or whatever before the king, the Holy Spirit poured out a boldness upon him for him to be able to take that stand that was larger than his life. It was for the kingdom of God. Okay, next symbol of the Holy Spirit. Let's read John seven thirty-seven to 39. I'm going to let you all read that. On the last day. And drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this other symbol is rivers. Rivers. The Holy Spirit um, is symbolically represented as both rain and a river. Rain comes upon you, but a river flows out of you. So the Holy Spirit comes upon us in order for the Holy Spirit to flow out of us. We're not, we don't hold him inside. Okay, I got him. <laughs> I'm never going to let him go. No, he flows down to, to flow out. So the Lord wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can, he wants to soak us. And we're going to talk about that next week a little bit. But he wants to saturate us with the Holy Spirit so that it, he will flow out of us and soak others. Um, the one thing, what is the one thing that rain and river have in common? They're both what? They're water. And so another thing that the Holy Spirit will do as he rains upon us and releases rivers of living water within us, his cleansing power will cleanse us because he's, he, he is like water. He will cleanse us from the inside out and then restore us. Okay, Acts 2.3. Let's read this one. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. So the Holy Spirit in this scripture is, uh, is represented as what? Fire. That's right. Fire. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that tongues as of fire appeared over the heads of each one of those who gathered. So let's talk a little bit about fire. There's three different kinds of fire represented in the scripture. One fire is a, puring fi a purifying fire. That's the kind of fire that purifies us as silver and gold. It, it burns out the impurities within us. Have you ever been praying for somebody and you just got hot or they got hot? Um, that's, that, that's that fire that's, that's burning out. It's refining us. It's a refiner's fire. Then there's another kind of fire that's represented um, by the three Hebrew children or men when they were thrown into the furnace. It says that they were not singed at all, right? They came out and their clothes didn't even smell of smoke after they were tossed in the fire. But do you recall what, what was burned up in the fire? The bonds, the ropes that held them were burned up. So the Holy, there's a fire that's a delivering fire in scriptures that when deliverance comes, it burns up the, um, the things that are, that things that are binding us. And then there's also another fire, um, uh, which is the fire that tempers us and shapes us. It's the fire that, uh, have you ever watched one of those uh, glass people? They're blowing, they're blowing the glass and they're shaping it as they're blowing it, but they're holding it over this heat because it, it's got to be hot in order to be molded and shaped. So there's a fire that can come upon us that shapes us and molds us. It'll refine us and pull out the impurities, but it'll also shape us into the... Uh, 
into the softness and into the vessel that the master wants us to be um, in this world. So many times the Holy Spirit will come upon us and he will burn up that which is impure or he'll come upon us and he'll burn away whatever is binding us, whatever is gripping us. And then he'll also come upon us as fire in order to shape us and mold us um, so that we're a vessel for the master's use. Okay, the next one. Uh, I don't know which scripture I put. Oh, okay, we'll read them both. John 3, 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And then Acts 2, 1 to 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. What is the symbol here? Wind. And there's, there's, there's two kinds of winds that we just uh, read about. So there's John 3, 8 said that there's a wind that blows wherever it pleases. And then Acts 2 says there's a blowing of a violent wind. So John 3, 8 is more like a, like a, a wind that just rustles the tree leaves. You know, that beautiful kind of you're on a walk and you just hear the leaves you know, tinkering and they're falling to the ground. And it's just this, it's a breeze. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just a sweet breeze that's blowing and the trees are swaying and you're thinking, oh, this is so refreshing and, and so lovely. And have you ever been in a prayer time with a group of people and you just sensed like a sweet breeze blowing across the group to the point where you don't even want to open your eyes because it's just like, oh, I just want to stay in this forever and ever. I just want to, I want to reside in this place. That's that sweet breeze of the Holy Spirit blowing in. So he comes in do our life like wind, like a sweet, gentle breeze, but he also can come in like a violent wind. I, when they, um, uh, when they were meeting there in, in the upper room, it's like that wind that blew in was like a rushing wind. It was like a roaring wind, like a tornado. I've, I've talked to people who have been in tornadoes and they've said that the wind sounded like a freight train coming at them. You know, it was, ugh, it was massive. And so, um, dynamic, irresistible, it's, it's unstoppable, it's forceful. Um, I don't think that the people speaking in tongues in the upper room is what drew the attention of the crowd outside. I think it was that tornadic wind that blew in and the force of it. And people were like, what is going on? You know, because it captivated them. Well, there are times when the Holy Spirit will blow in. He'll blow into our lives like a full force wind. And the room changes. There's a dynamic that happens and there's power that's released and we're kind of caught up in it and it's 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 rushing it's it's strong and um, again you don't want to leave its presence but it's totally different than that sweet blowing wind and right now I'm praying that a rush that a rushing wind a tornadic wind of the Holy Spirit will begin to blow across our country it'll begin to blow out it'll blow out all the strife and all the division and all the ungodliness and all the stuff 
stuff that stinks and is putrid in the nostrils of God and that the Holy Spirit will blow in righteousness and godliness and purifying and, and the love of the law of the Lord, you know, the love of the word of God, but he'll blow it in because it's sometimes that's what you need. I don't, when you have a big, huge yard, you don't go out and, and do your leaves with a little tiny rake, right? You want one of those big monster blower things, you know, because you want to get that stuff out of your yard and into the curb, right? So there's times when we want to pray for people. Oh God, would you just blow a fresh breeze? Holy Spirit, just breathe a fresh breeze over my friend Sue. May she just be refreshed by the breath of the Holy Spirit. And there are other times when I want to pray, Holy Spirit, blow in on them. Blow in on that place. Blow in on that place of pornography and close that business down. You know, we can do that. We have the we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray bold prayers that align with the word of God. Amen. All right. So let's wrap this part up. The Holy Spirit will flood us. He will fill us. He will cleanse us and he will unleash a river to flow from us. He breathes fresh wind into our lives. He delivers us. He refines us. He tempers our personalities in his fire. He brings us peace like a dove, and he will come to us when we call upon him. He is our comforter, our wisdom. He empowers us for ministry. So why don't more people invite the Holy Spirit's presence into their life on a daily basis? Right? If he's all those things... Should we not be fellowshipping with him and inviting his influence into our lives on a daily basis? Amen? Okay, so I want you to stand up. Stand up real quickly. I want you to turn around. Turn, completely turn around, 360 degrees, all the way, all the way, all the way. Sit back down. Okay, we just turned a corner into a new topic, all right? So we did it. We were talking about symbols, so we symbolically just turned to a new topic. All right, I'm going to very quickly, I'm going to talk to you about speaking in tongues. All right, so some of you just grabbed a hold of the table. Remember, the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. Okay, he's not weird. So anyway, before I go further, I, I, want, I want to say this before I go into this topic. I want to say this. Grace Covenant, in its heritage and in its roots, is a Pentecostal church. What does that mean? We believe that Pentecost, we are still in the days of Pentecost. The book of Acts is still being written. So we are still in the days of Pentecost. Yet... We honor every denomination that honors Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for us. So um, we, are, um, we are about the kingdom, um, and we love the people of the kingdom of God, <laughs> right? So what I'm getting ready to talk about is not a, separ it's not a divisive issue. If a person doesn't speak in tongues and a person does speak in tongues, it doesn't mean one person's a better Christian than the other. I think one person is more equipped than the other, but that doesn't make one person better than the other. 
You understand the difference between that? So I might have a tool in my tool belt that you don't have. If you don't speak in tongues, and I do speak in tongues. That's, that's what the difference is. But there are a lot of people who don't engage with the Holy Spirit and ask for that gift to be released into their lives because they have a misunderstanding of what tongues are. And I think that that comes from some confusion that has um, been unleashed um, by different teachings. So basically... What I want to point out is that there are two different tongues mentioned in Scripture. The first one is this, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. Would you all read that, please? Okay, in this Scripture... The Holy Spirit is listing the miraculous giftings that he releases through people. Um, He releases them through people. These are spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk about that even more, a little bit more next week. But these are spiritual gifts that are injected or released in a person's life in a moment of time for a particular situation. In this passage, tongues is an utterance, it's a language from heaven that is released by a person for the corporate body to receive. So it is a message, it's a spiritual, a person speaks out in a spiritual language and another person, by the power of the Holy Spirit, And then another person is empowered by the Holy Spirit to give an interpretation of that that tongue of what was just stated by God through that person. Okay? That is a corporate tongue. It is given in where two or more gathered together, and it confirms, it edifies, Um, And it is a tongue that is to be given interpretation so that there's not confusion, so that people understand what it is that the Spirit of God wanted to speak to that group of individuals. That, my friends, is very different from a personal prayer language and speaking in tongues. That is totally different. Um, uh, In chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verses 39 and 40, Paul makes it very clear. He says to the church, he says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, what he's talking about there is do not silence a person who is giving a corporate message in tongues. Do not silence them. He said that. I did that. He said that. Okay? Because the Lord has things he wants to speak to the church. But if we don't allow a corporate tongue to be given, then that message isn't going to come through. Now, you're probably sitting there, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to speak out in a group of people. You know what? He'll never ask you to. You don't want to do it? He's not going to ask you to. But if there's a slight chance that you will, that you'll be willing, that you'll be available to that, 
then that might happen to you at some point in your life. It might not. It's, I've only had that happen to me maybe a dozen times in my whole journey with the Lord, 30-some years. I, I've only had that happen maybe a, double, a couple times. And there was one time when it happened. It was my second or third Wednesday night service here at Grace before we had the sanctuary built this way. Um, the sanctuary used to be more the foyer and then the, the foyer area and then about halfway into what the sanctuary is now. And uh, it was a Wednesday night. We had Wednesday night services. We didn't have classes. And um, I really felt that the Holy Spirit, I mean, I, you know, like I was shaking. I, I knew the Holy Spirit was bubbling up. That river of living water was about to erupt. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm so new here. They don't know me. I don't know if I'm going to look like a loony bird. I don't know what to do. You know, I mean, I don't know what their protocol is. And I don't want people forming an opinion of me. And I'm like, you know, and it's just getting, it's getting, it's, re- it's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's you. Like, oh, I normally shake like this all the time, you know. I mean, so it was d- just, well, the thought came through my mind. If you don't want the gift, I'll give it to somebody else. And I went, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to disregard that when it comes up. But if you don't want to, He's not going to make you do it because he's, he's like a dove. He's gentle and he's kind. Now, that's corporate. Then there is this tongue that is called the personal prayer language. And our personal prayer language is given to us very, for very specific reasons. But let's, read, let's, let's validate this with Scripture, 1 Corinthians 14. What's it say? Let's read aloud. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So who is this tongue for? It's for God and for, and for me personally. It's not a corporate tongue. This is a personal prayer language that is an, is an, A-N, an evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's one of the evidences that we have been, we have received the overflowing of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we're going to talk about that next week, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, salvation, second opportunity and all that kind of stuff, what it means to be baptized in the spirit. So why are we, why are people given a personal prayer language? First of all, it expands our capacity to worship. Have you ever just worshiped and you get tired of saying, I love you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I think you're awesome. God, I just think you're marvelous. And you're like, is there anything else I can say to you? Well, a personal prayer language allows you to worship God and not be hindered by the limitations of your human vocabulary. Because it is a prayer language. It is a prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. I will pray with my spirit, but also my mind. In other words, he's not asking you to check your brain at the door. When you pray in your spirit, when you pray from the, out of the Holy Spirit with a prayer language, you have a sense of what you're praying. You don't have a direct interpretation. Like if I was... If I was saying, buenos dias, mi hermanas y mi, mi hermanos, good morning, I could, the person standing next to me would say, good morning, brothers and sisters. Okay, it's not that, it's not a direct translation. You have as your, in your prayer language, you have a sense. I'm worshiping. I'm, 
I'm telling God that I love him. I mean, you, you, you have a sense of the direction you're going in, but you don't have a literal interpretation like the corporate tongue was. So a, pr- a prayer language also expands our capacity to pray. In Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. So when I don't know what to pray, I have this prayer language that I can begin to pray in. And that prayer language, I always say it hooks me. It, gets, it gives me a hook. It gets me on the track. So like I'll pray. So let's say Miss Jean came up to me and just said, you know what? I just need prayer. Would you just pray for me? And I wouldn't know what to pray about. I might pray in my prayer language for a minute, and then boom, a scripture will come to my mind. Or boom, I might start coming against fear or whatever. But it puts me on God's track versus my human rational approach. It takes me beyond my my, um, humanness and my human perspective on something. And as I pray in the spirit, I begin to get God's perspective on something and I get on his track versus my track. All right, does that make sense? And then it expands our capacity to refuel and exhort ourselves. Jude 20 says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. And then as we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So if you see me driving around Cornelius or Huntersville, many times if you were to put a tape recorder in my car, you would hear me praying in the Spirit. Because when I'm in my car, I use that time to edify myself, to build myself up in the spirit. And I'll just, pray, I'll just be praying in my prayer language, just stirring myself up, invigorating my spirit, awakening my spirit to the spirit of God. So here's where I think the confusion comes from. I think there are people who come into a worship service and they're worshiping God and then they move from singing the words of the song on the screen and they begin to sing in the spirit. They're just, they're worshiping God in their prayer language and they're just enjoying lavishing him with their praises. It's, it's just, you know, it's like they're pouring oil upon his feet and you're all caught up in the worship and then things die down and the person continues to speak and gets louder as the crowd gets softer and they speak out, but they're speaking their personal prayer language and then there's no interpretation for it because it's personal. It's edifying the Lord. They're worshiping the Lord and edifying their own spirit. There's no interpretation and then everybody's confused. What was that all about? Well, what that was about was the person mistakenly was speaking out in their prayer language. They weren't given a corporate tongue because a corporate tongue would have been interpreted. But it's brought confusion because that prayer language was issued out over the body like it was a corporate tongue. And so it leaves people confused. But God is not a God of confusion. He doesn't release things through it. That's the human. You know, we're fallible, right? And when it comes to the things of the spirit, we're fallible. Sometimes we move in ways that God's like, oh, man. 
man. Why'd you do that, sweetie? That was so dumb, you know? I mean, that was just not right. Um, and I don't think he's condemning. I just, he's like, oh, you love me so much, but boy, you really messed that one up, you know? But, and it, but you know, and, and that's okay, because he'll send somebody, hopefully a leader, to come in and kind of give explanation and, and clean it up. We should never be afraid to ask the Lord for a prayer language. I know so many people who are, who are like, oh, I don't know about this. Sure, that's not from the devil. Why would the devil give you a language to help you worship God more? Like, I don't understand that theology. Oh, that tongues, they're from the devil. Why would the devil give me something that's going to draw me closer to God? Why would the devil give me something, enable me to do something that's going to make me sing to him or, or pray with understanding for other people? Why, why would he do that? That's like calling Jesus saying Jesus was of the devil. And he's like, what? You know, I mean, like, no, no, tongues is not. Tongues is just mystical. And so a lot of times we as human beings don't want to step into the mysteries of God. And you know what? If you don't want to, you don't have to. That's the beauty of it. But if you want more, more is available. Oh, prayer language is available to people who ask. And so if that's something, if you want to expand your worship, expand your prayer life, expand your ability to refresh and refuel yourself, you can ask the Holy Spirit to release a prayer language within you. Now, sometimes you get it immediately. Sometimes you get it after a week or two. I've prayed for people to receive a prayer language. Nothing happened while I was praying for them. They went out, got in their car, and on the way home, they began to sing in the Spirit. I've prayed for people. Nothing's happened. They've asked for it. They go home. They take a hot bath the next night, and they're reading a book, and they begin to pray, and the next thing you know, they're praying in a prayer language. I don't know why God does it that way. I don't know why the Holy Spirit doesn't give us a three-step plan, and then you push the button, and a prayer language pops out. I don't know why he did it that way. It's just you know, the mysteries of God are the mysteries of God. But here's the thing. If you want it, if you desire it, a personal prayer language, if you desire it, it is a gift from God. And he is no respecter of person. And you just keep availing yourself to him. I know people, it's been three years from the time they prayed. I had a gal one time came over to my house one night. She was so frustrated because she'd been asking the Lord for a prayer language for a couple of years. And she was just frustrated. And I just said, okay, Elisa, uh, not Elisa, uh, it was, uh, it wasn't Elisa, it was Eliza, Eliza. And um, I said, let's, let's just one more time, let's just ask him one more time. And we began to worship the Lord. We weren't even asking yet. We were just worshiping him and thanking him for good gifts and wonderful gifts and how he gives good gifts to his children. And I began to pray in the spirit. She began to pray in the spirit. Now, why, why did he do it that way? I don't know. I don't know. But I know he did it. He eventually answered her prayer. And remember, a day is like a thousand and a thousand is but a day. So actually, he answered her prayer in about 10 minutes. <laughs> right? Right? So we, we look at that so linearly, 
But God, a day is like a thousand and a thousand is but a day. So sometimes if I've been praying about something for two years, I'm like, okay, 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 I can wait a little longer. It's only been three minutes to you. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll give it some more time. I'll give it some more time. So I just, I just want to leave you with that, that if that is something that you long for, begin to ask the Lord for it. If you want to ex- have that expanded capability, um, ask for it. Next week, we are going to pray at the end of our session together. We are going to talk about what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit? And we're going to, we're going to have time to pray for people who want either a filling of the Holy Spirit or who want to receive a prayer language. If you're not comfortable asking God for that on your own, there are going to be people next week. We're going to have plenty of time to pray with people, and we will ask him along with you. We'll combine our faith with your faith, and we will expect to um, hear him move and see him move in our midst. So come very expectant next week. The sheet um, on your table that says what the Holy Spirit does these are all scriptures that have to do with how he works in our life. Again, I would encourage you, look these up and highlight them in your Bible in that one color that represents the Holy Spirit to you. Uh, I, it might be at the back of your notes, the last page of your notes. Um, but do that kind of as your homework. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of it. We thank you for the blessing of the Holy Spirit in our life. Lord, For the women here today who need the peace of the Holy Spirit, would you pour it down upon them today, Lord? Would you just pour out your Holy Spirit and bring peace? For those who need, Lord, a fire, they need a fresh fire within them for you and for your word and for life with you. Holy Spirit, would you pour out fresh fire And Lord, for those who just need to be cleansed today, Lord, would you just pour out the waterfall of your Holy Spirit upon them and just wash them clean. Lord, just purify the muck that has come into life. And Lord, for those who just need that sweet breeze of the Holy Spirit to blow over them, Maybe to whisper in the coolness of your spirit, I love you. I'm proud of you. Everything's going to be okay. Lord, would you just breathe? Just breathe. That sweet, gentle breath of the Holy Spirit over them and give them that knowing that you're present. Lord, for those that need to know the truth, Holy Spirit, would you whisper truth and wisdom to them so that they might walk away from deception and not be captured by its chains. Lord, for those that need power, enablement, to stand in their identity in Christ and not return to the old ways and the lure of the flesh. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and give them fresh empowerment 
reminding them that they're a daughter of the king and you withhold no wisdom or insight from them. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. Influence the rest of our day. Guide us and lead us in the things that matter most to you. Help us to live our life with purpose and fruitfulness. And help us to fellowship with you, to not blow you off, but to fellowship with you and enter in to the rest that you provide. Holy Spirit, we love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for just who you are and what you've meant to me. Thank you for being our constant companion, our comforter, when no Hallmark card can say it. Lord, you lead us to the scriptures and the Holy Spirit's inspiration washes over us and refreshes us. Thank you. We love you and we welcome you into our life in a fuller and deeper way. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Have a great rest of the day.